Baseball season is around the corner, and we will be giving out our favorite futures picks on the Just Baseball show in the lead up to opening day. To go along with that, BetMGM has a brand new offer for our listeners. Use code JustBaseball and place your first BetMGM Sportsbook wager through the BetMGM Sportsbook app of at least $5, and you will receive $150 instantly in additional winnings regardless of your wager's outcome. How to get this offer? Step one, download the BetMGM Sports app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Step two, sign up and deposit at least $5 into your newly created account. Step three, place a wager in the amount of at least $5 at standard odds price. Step four, once you have placed a bet, you will receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your wager. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York and call 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 21 plus only, please gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, and 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use code JUSTBASEBALL and get $150 when you bet at least $5 on your first wager. Special Thursday episode on the leap here, February 29th. Welcome to it. It's the Just Baseball Show. That's Arm Layton, and I am Peter Apple. Guardians fans, welcome to paradise. The reason we're doing a different Thursday episode, normally we're Monday, Wednesday, Friday. During the regular season, we will be five days a week, but in the offseason, we're three days a week. Special Thursday episode, Tanner Bybee back on the Just Baseball show. He was on episode 450-something, and he's joined by a friend, Stephen Kwan. What an episode. What an episode where you get the perspective from a pitcher, perspective from a hitter, and then, of course, we got a couple of news and notes from college baseball and from MLB, and it is all brought to you by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Ladies and gentlemen, you know the pitch, and if you haven't done it already, what are you waiting for? $5 into your account. And you get $150 in bonus bets. Why not? Use code just baseball. When you download BetMGM on iOS or Android, use code just baseball, put down $5 at standard odds, and you will get $150 loaded in your account for this awesome MLB season. Aram, Yoshinobu Yamamoto pitch. And without completely overreacting, I think he's the greatest pitcher of all time without overreacting. No, I don't think it's so. It's funny. Like we, we and we actually talk about this with, with Tanner and, and Steven, which is great. Cause like 
how much is it an overreaction? What do you look for in spring training? Similar things that we talked to with Walker. Uh, but then there's instances where you see what Yoshinobu Yamamoto did, the $325 million man for the Dodgers. And it's like, all right, there's something special here. First of all, he's a, he's a freak because did you see him in the dugout? Like between innings, he was like, going through his mechanics, like didn't sit down for one second, like was basically just like doing all of the little moves and motions that he would do on the mound. Like I was watching him like come set in the dugout. I'm like, dude, it's spring training, like relax over there. But he's just, he's just one of those guys. And then even when he got the third out of his his second inning of work, he wanted to keep pitching. He was out there. He's like ready to get back on the mound for another one. And Otani's like, get off the mound. He was working so quick. He was so locked in and so efficient. This guy doesn't have a, an in-between gear. And I think that's very clear. Like he knows one way to pitch and it is all out dialed in, locked in. And I think that's going to really show over the course of 30 plus starts. Like then also just the swings that he was getting on a splitter. It wasn't like he was facing like, you know, triple a guys that were getting brought up for, you know, to fill in. He was facing big leaguers and making them look like triple a guys who are brought up to fill in. That splitter was just disgusting. The AB to Nathaniel Lowe, was one of the most dominant at bats I've seen in just spring training because it was whatever he wanted with the fastball and then he would just drop the splitter on you and it was like Nathaniel Lowe was swinging at another fastball. Yep. He missed that by about two feet. Yep. And to Nathaniel Lowe's credit, the reason I'm bagging on him is because he's a good hitter. Yeah. Right? And the swings that these guys were taking made them look silly. Even the takes... Right when he would drop in a curveball, you could see their knees buckling yeah, a little bit just on an OO pitch. Yeah. He was throwing it wherever he wanted, multiple pitches. One thing of note on the broadcast, they were talking about the fact that you could see the ball in his hand right when he, for all those watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and the like button and the comment button. Come on, this is an unbelievable episode with Tanner Bobby and Stephen Kwan. But he has the glove right here, right? And you can see right when he splits the ball, right? Yeah. When he's holding that curveball grip and the slider grip and the fastball grip, you can see it very easily. Now, in game, I don't think I, I don't know that opposing teams are going to be like, we're watching the game and we can see it. There is a tape delay. So I don't know how it would affect him. But that was my only takeaway. What could hurt him? That's the point of bringing it up because it was elite command. It was 96 miles an hour with the fastball and it was whatever he wanted to do with the breaking balls. So I'm thinking the one way that opposing hitters can get to him is knowing what's coming because he's tipping. That's my only negative I could find and, with this guy just two innings of work. And they've cracked down on that. So they're saying, I don't know if it's a problem or whatever, but maybe it's something they talk to him about. And like, I was also thinking about, I'm like, he's, he's one of those guys. Like they used to say when Fernando Rodney was like in his prime, you know, he could tell you the split was coming and it didn't matter. You still weren't hitting it. <laughs> with the way he looked today, like I think he could have told guys it's coming and 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 you're not hitting it. The final line was two innings, one hit, no runs, no walks, three Ks, and he just filled up the strike zone. But man, I, every time this guy throws, it's going to be must see TV. Is he going to be perfect this year? Probably not. But I, I think what we saw, like without getting over 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 reactive, is that he's going to have some special stretches this year. He might have some stretches where it's welcome to the big leagues, but there's going to be times where he's going to be doing things on the mound that we have not really seen very often or or maybe ever. And that's why you got to tune into this guy. So I think that was the, the reasonable extreme takeaway was he's as special as we thought. We'll see if he can duplicate it all the time. But he is very, very special. 
and it's going to be really fun to watch. And even just two innings of spring training, uh, there was just something different about this guy. Speaking about tuning in, you were tuning in to Jack Leiter start. What did you see? Yeah, so yesterday just really liked what I saw from him because he's a guy. I, I just wanted to talk on him briefly because everyone's talking about, oh, what's the deal with Leiter? Is he, you know, a bust? Is he this or that? And I, I understand that it's been a little bit of a rough go for him relative to the expectations, but I also want to shout out a guy that's worked his butt off to get himself, you know, back into the conversation. And the Rangers are in a great spot here. We're seeing Wyatt Langford get ABs in these spring training games. He had to face Yamamoto, poor guy. Um, but we're seeing a lot of young talent here. Evan Carter, obviously, up there. And I'm saying, don't sleep on Leiter. Don't Just sleep one on quick thing. Evan Carter was the only guy to get a hit off Yamamoto when he went first pitch swing it and he got his. That might be the game plan. That's got to be the only way. Is try to ambush the fastball and get to the top of it, which is crazy. But And he did it. But Lighter, I'm looking at this team. I'm looking at the pitching situation. There's some guys banged up. They're going to need to fill in some innings, especially if someone goes down. They threw him two innings in spring training. You don't see a lot of young guys get the two-inning stretch out, and he looked phenomenal. The fastball command was better, and he was going through big league hitters as well. Uh, the mechanics looked smoother. He was honestly getting a lot more swing and miss than, than we'd seen sometimes in the past. The fastball looked really good. The secondaries looked more confident. Uh, I, I think Jack Leiter is going to be a part of this team at some point this year. Uh, and I think what we're seeing from in the early girl going is encouraging. And I think you're seeing the Rangers have a lot of confidence in him. So I'm excited to see Leiter's next outing as well. But um, I know some stuff plus models out there loved what he did as well, um, which is you know always encouraging, too, when he's around the zone more in tandem with that. It's funny. A guy can be a top pitching prospect in baseball. Then he struggles a little bit and people give up. It's like, yeah. let's not forget who Jack Leiter was at Vanderbilt. Now he's with the Texas Rangers. They're going to need him, and I think he's going to be pretty damn good. Transitioning to college baseball before we get to our interview with Stephen Kwan and Tanner Bybee, Drew Burris, four home runs in one game for Georgia Tech, right, against Georgia State. In-state rivalry a little bit. This dude has nine home runs. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he's a freshman for Georgia Tech. And this guy has been going crazy. He was a big get for Georgia Tech, right? He was one of the, I think he was a top 18 prospect um, in the high school ranks. And he won Georgia Player of the Year in high school. Georgia Tech gets him and he's off to one of the crazier starts, right? We're talking about nine games. The college baseball season is about eight games going, right? Like we, he's got nine home runs in eight games and it's, on a on the backs of a four home run game from the is he a redshirt freshman true freshman I know he's young dude he's nineteen so I, I I'm not even sure but it just it's insane to I mean we have six home runs from this kid in three games um and, and it doesn't even matter who you're playing I don't care if he's playing high school ball uh, I mean that's insane also I don't think he's the biggest dude in the world I oh. he's like five seven five eight he's listed at like. <laughs> It's always fun to see short Kings get into it. Also, what's with the Georgia Tech guys having um, that kind of Kevin Parada setup, like just bat, like literally scratching his back, but tips it and goes four home runs. You're getting a shout out on the pod any day of the week. I don't care who it's against, what level you're at. Um, Awesome to see. And and just college baseball is college baseballing already in the early parts this year. So um, Georgia Tech. It's rare to get a Georgia player of the year to go to college. Mostly, if you're the Georgia player of the year, you're probably a draft guy. You're probably a dog. So I'm excited to see what he continues to do. He's already got, would it be two, three, four, five, 
He's had nine homers, as you mentioned, and then another two doubles, three, five more doubles. Like this guy's got to be slugging. I don't even know. He's slugging over a thousand. Um, yeah, that'll play. Uh, look out for Drew Burris. I don't know if you saw another Georgia player had three home runs today. Guess who it was? Who? Charlie Condon again. He had three, three home runs today again. Now he has seven on the season. He's got it. He's gonna. He's gonna have a one-one case. I think if he keeps going this way. Unbelievable. Turn on the TV. Watch some college baseball. But before you do that, what are you doing with eBay? Yeah, <laughs> gonna have some fun in Arizona uh, this weekend. So. This weekend, I'll be heading out to Phoenix for eBay for a live event called Spring Signings with eBay and Onyx. And we'll have some epic interviews out at the event, which I'm really excited about because we're going to use a lot of these interviews on the call up as well. Because it's including some of the fastest rising stars in the game. Jackson Chorio, Matt Shaw, Dalton Rushing, Drew Thorpe, Peter. By the way, that change up looked like an 80 in spring training the other day. Uh, plenty so. more top prospects <laughs> as well. Um, so I'm really excited about that. You're going to be able to see a bunch of those segments and things like that. But if you're not able to make it out to Arizona for that, you can join virtually on eBay Live this coming Saturday and Sunday, starting at 430 Mountain Time for unique stories, deals, can't miss exclusives. They've got one of one limited edition cards created specifically for this signing event, which is super cool. You can imagine a Jackson Chorio one of one, uh, a Drew Thorpe one of one, Peter. Uh, lucky buyers of the exclusive one of one cards will get custom inscription from the player. So you'll get a custom you know, note from the player, which is super, super cool, making it one of a kind. You know, there's one of ones, but then there's like great variations of one of ones. This is a true one of one. Additionally, a portion of the proceeds will be donated to the Organization of Autism Research, which provides research to better the quality of life for people with autism. To us, there's nothing better than coupling a fun-filled event and a great cause, which is going to be a lot of fun for me to be a part of that. We're very excited to be involved in spring signings with eBay Live and Onyx. So mark your calendars for 4.30 p.m. Mountain Time this weekend. You're not going to want to miss it. It's a one-of-a-kind event with future MLB stars and exclusive cards. If you do somehow miss it, we'll have a lot of information, uh, interviews, and recap over on our socials and, of course, on the call-up. But a lot of really fun players, and I'm excited to get into it. Again, 6.30 p.m. Eastern, 3.30 Pacific, 4.30 Mountain Time. Look at you. Where? I could not have done that off the dome. Time just breaks my brain. Where will be the links for people to watch who can't go to the event themselves in Arizona. Yeah, we'll, we'll put them up on our socials, uh, I think, probably on Friday. So as you're listening to this, good chance it's, it's live on our socials, so you'll know where where to go. So check out you know Twitter, as well as we'll, we'll probably throw something on the Instagram story uh, for you guys to know where to go. Phenomenal. And before we talk to Tanner Bybee and Stephen Kwan, a quick break. Tanner Bybee is on right-handed pitcher for the Cleveland Guardians. It was supposed to be with reoccurring guest Tanner Bybee, but then he texts me and he goes, would you mind if Stephen Kwan hopped on? And I was like, what do you mean? What do I mind? Stephen Kwan also joins us. So we got the four of us. It's Peter, it's Arm, it's Tanner, and it's Stephen. Gentlemen, this is going to be a blast. Tanner, you're the reoccurring guest. Stephen, we're really excited to talk to you as well. How are you guys? Doing pretty great. How about you guys? I'm feeling good. Thank y'all having me. Yeah, absolutely. I remember the the first time we had you on, Tanner, we asked you, how was your debut? Now we're asking you, how does it feel to finish second in Rookie of the Year voting? Pretty cool. Uh, I mean, it was kind of crazy. I mean, not as good as first, but it was it was a crazy ride. 
Well, what's interesting too is on the other side, you have Steven who who came in third as well, your rookie year. So it was it was like this back to back where you have a pair of guardians who are really balling out in the rookie seasons. But like it's it's also a different beast though. We talked about it a little bit actually on an episode with Walker, where it was like, should there be an offensive rookie of the year and and then you know a a, a pitching rookie of the year, having those sides of things as well. But just being able to go through your rookie season, Steven, and then having so much more young talent coming up, like how quickly did you feel like you kind of transitioned into a, a leadership role with this team with young guys like Tanner, but now even, you know, a bunch of other young players like Bo Naylor, you've got the so many different infielders, Rokio coming up, Arias more and more and more. Uh, how quickly did you kind of start to feel like a, a, a pseudo vet with this Guardians team? Yeah, I don't know if it's ever like a veteran kind of feel, but definitely kind of felt more familiar than a lot of other guys. And I think the 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 transitions, all of them coming in was was really seamless just because I played with a lot of these guys through the org. I know Bybee has as well. Um, so it never was like a real like veteran, like, here, let me show you the ropes. It was yeah. more like, a, like hey, hey, good to see you again. Like, let's get after kind of thing. Um, but I think Cleveland does a really good job of that, just developing really good talent. And yeah, we got some we got some good guys coming up. Absolutely. And before we get into more baseball talk, Tanner, we have to settle something. And of course, you know, we have Stephen Kwan, who went high school in California as well. The Culver's versus In-N-Out debate. I know Arm is already cringing, but we got to ask, right? Because Tanner, we talked about it. You guys are now playing on the Cleveland Guardians, which is in the Midwest of the country. That's Culver's land. That's Culver's land. But we're all California guys. So, Tanner, I think I know your answer, but have you been to Culver's since? And Stephen, have you even heard of Culver's? Because I, I saw that look in your eye. You're like, Culver's? I've heard of Culver's, but it's not a debate. I don't think there can ever be a debate. No, That's, there is no debate. Thank That's you. Like letting, like letting your little brother come in to the, like, play video games with you, and then like he thinks it's a chance to win. Like, this, this isn't really a conversation at all. <laughs> Thank you. Thank what you. Is, what is the regionality bias to, to in and out It's crazy to me. It's, it's, it's delicious and cheap. I yeah. I, go ahead, Stephen. I was going to say, I agree. I mean, the bias, I think, is that I think it's a great burger. It's elite. You know, maybe other people could say that it's not as good, but you can't beat it for the price point because you got people talking about like five guys is better. But like five guys, you're paying 17 bucks for a burger. And they're like, oh, like the bag fries. And I'm like, yeah, because you're paying 17 bucks for a burger. Like <laughs> they got everybody. Brushed. And it's not even about the price. In and out is strictly better than five guys on top it's, of it. Yeah, no. the, taste is, the taste is just better. Stop. Of course it is. No, well, it's because you don't like onions. You don't like pickles. You don't like all the good parts of In-N-Out. It's not It's not In-N-Out's fault that you're not an onion or a pickle guy. That's fair. Uh, so I, that just spurred a thought in my head, too, because, you know, just having friends that have gone through the, the minor league, you know, grind. Uh, and if you're not a a bonus baby, like to the, the nth degree, it, you got to kind of ball on a budget. You know, when, when you're eating, you talk about In-N-Out probably a great option uh, if, if you have some in the area of where you're playing in the minor leagues. But you know, what I want to hear from each of you guys, like what was like your go to safe minor league meal uh, if you weren't bringing home food from, you know, from the ballpark that that you, you know, could sustainably eat without killing your bank account? Oh, I'll go first. That's Chipotle for me. I mean, you can get so much food at Chipotle for like eleven dollars. Steven does not share the same. Same love for Chipotle that I do. Well, let me, let me speak on that because it's not that you love Chipotle. You're you're superstitious with Chipotle. Oh, you know? really? You're like Wade Boggs with Chipotle. <laughs> I mean, kinda. Every every day, day before I throw, I have to eat Chipotle. So, what's the best Chipotle order? I get brown rice, chicken, 
pico, hot sauce, cheese, guac, lettuce. You are an athlete. That's pretty healthy. Okay, but let me let me interject. The one that gets is this is the one when I became an op for Bybee and all of this. I became a full time hater. We're going. I think we're in New York, and he's about to have a start. Like, like, hey man, let's start go. Out second, to my second start in the big. Let's go out to New York. Let's have a big league dinner. You know, let's have something good. And he goes, uh, no, I already got Chipotle DoorDash to my to the hotel. Like, I'm gonna probably just eat that. We're like. Like we could eat anywhere in New York, and he's like, "Yeah, but you know, I just want my Chipotle." So I'm I'm off. I love Chipotle. That's a special place in my heart as well. But I'm I'm a full time Chipotle Tanner Bybee hater, and that that's the final piece on that. Thank you. So I want to hear about your pregame meal, but you said that before we press the record button that you and Tanner are always playing board games together. Who's been on the winning side of those, and what are the best board games to play? I'll let Bybee. I'll let Bybee disclose the information. Yeah, Steve's been on a pseudo winning streak. He's only won. He's on two in a row. Is that what it was? I'm two for three. I'm two, two for three in games played at your house. He comes in here and disrespects me in board games and ends up winning. I don't disrespect. I just play. I just play a solid game and the oh, game. No. So we like me, me, Quan, uh, Will Brennan, Tyler Freeman, and Doug McKenzie. We'll all play like Catan. Um, that's what we play a lot. Um, we love that game, and it gets a little heat sometimes. And that's the game we've been we've been ripping a lot. Arm, do you ever play Catan? I was always a Monopoly. So, I don't think I've ever played that game. So similar to like Steven's story of just like you know, I had nothing against the game, but it, my roommates in in college just played it all the time, three in the morning, like middle of the weekdays, and they were so loud, and it just made me hate the game. So I just like refused <laughs> to ever play it because I'd be like, "Can you shut up?" I have like class at nine like can you shut up now i just it's just like a personal thing now i just can't look at a katan board but i've heard nothing but great things about it um and it's cool to hear you guys doing something different than just like poker and taking each other's money because that's what we did even like going back to high school so i know a bunch of different you know mlb teams and teammates always do that and then there's like stories of guys maybe like slipping some cards here and there but it's kind of hard to cheat in katan right you can't really get away with it there i mean we let bybee play as the bank give out the resources i have bought him but i think he's a trustworthy guy so i'm just waiting i'm just i still trust him i I, you're still on the trustworthy side but you know i i I do know if you get a little desperate something might happen but right now you're right now you're trustworthy i'll say that that's all we're gonna say to be to be fair to tanner if he's the bank and he's still losing it's kind of like taking steroids in baseball and hitting 100 it's just not really working out for him (laughs) I have a I have a question too about um Steven, you mentioned superstition with Tanner and Chipotle. I saw on I think it was the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show that you mentioned that you change your socks periodically. Is that something superstitious for you? And then Tanner is Chipotle your only superstition? And then what other superstitions have you heard from your Guardians teammates? Yeah, so I, I don't know if it's it's superstition, but whenever we have holiday socks, I mean, I just love the feel of new socks. And it's more of a convenience thing where, like, I'll put it on the laundry loop, I'll get it the next day, and I'll just keep wearing it. And then if if I'm not hitting so great, then, you know, maybe the socks go. Maybe maybe we just get a nice little feel on the, on the tootsies, you know? Like, just get, just get, just kind of get it, get it back rolling. Um, 
I won't say I'll like seek out new stocks. I'm hitting bad, but usually it cycles itself out with like the holidays, especially early on in the season. It'll be like veterans day, father's day, um, mother's day. Like we'll usually get new stocks for all those. So it's a, it's a constantly cycling kind of thing. And is that your only sort of superstition? Not really superstition, just more something you love. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is a very un unsexy answer, but I used to be super, super superstitious. Yeah. That's good vocab. I used to be very superstitious in college. And like, I like, basically it was like, I would do all these routines and then if I didn't eat the same cereal, then like, I wouldn't feel good. So it was like, okay, what's the point of doing the routine? So I basically, I try to cut out all superstitions and just like trust the work now. Um, so I don't think I have any more superstitions. What, when did that, when did you make that, that like change? Cause that's, that's pretty tough. Cause there's a lot of like, like superstitions kind of are almost bred in, in like a sense of control and can calm anxiety. Like I, I, when I, again, just going back to some things too, I would catch myself feeling so nervous if I didn't do certain things a certain way. And uh, like, that takes a lot to be able to, to cut it and change it and then stick with it. Even if you're not playing well, like when did you make that change and how'd you stick with it? Yeah, it was, it was, I think it was junior year of uh, college. Um, it was, I basically just came to that revelation. Like I would do all my swings before the game. I would do my prep routine. Um, I would do my scouting report on the pitcher. And then I just remember one day I was like, Oh my God, like I didn't have, you know, I didn't eat my frosted flakes this morning. And so then I felt like super crappy that day. And it's like, okay, well, if I'm going to feel crappy, then like, what's the point of doing all the prep? What's the point of the scouting reports? Like, what's the point in going to practice even if it like this one thing is going to dictate how I feel. Um, I just thought that was just super absurd to me. And I just, I made it a point to, you know, just scrap that. If I don't feel good, it's probably because I didn't prepare well enough, but feeling bad because you didn't, you know, wear the same underwear or something. That's just, that's silly to me. Tanner, what's your view on this? No, I do agree. I have cut, a lot, cut out a lot of stuff. I was the same way in college. Like, did all this stuff. It was like this whole like 24-hour process and it just became exhausting. Um, the reason I still do the Chipotle is because like I want to feel the same the next day, like food-wise. So that's that like, the, like one of the things that I kept. So, but everything else, like, I do agree. Like, if you start making yourself like an absolute like you're so attached to the other stuff, like it just ruins the whole like week of preparation or like 24 hours that you're seeing you play, like, you play every day. So, so yeah. Is, is there a teammate you're comfortable revealing like who may be like a little bit more superstitious than most or who may have like the most unique process uh, to getting themselves ready potentially? Um, Bobby, you got one? Not really. I was going to say, I I was gonna say I know Ahmed when we, when Ahmed was still with us he wore the same sliders um, and they had just these yep. fat holes in them and I, I the only reason I knew that was because one of our clubbies uh, went up to him and asked if he wanted like a replacement and he would not hear it he simply would not so I think I think he was he was pretty superstitious with that nothing was beat up but I mean that guy could hit so it's also if it ain't broke oh man. Um, I think it's time. We talked about superstitions. We talked about food. Let's get into a little bit of spring training. Obviously, it's a time to, you know, get ready, get loose. Uh, but we asked this to Walker Bueller too. You know, what should fans be taking away from spring training? Because there's obviously a lot of overreactions, right? Cole Irvin's throwing 96. I'm ready to put money on him to win the Cy Young, right? That's a little bit of an overreaction, right? But there are some things, some tangible things that fans can take away. And we have a pitcher and we have a hitter 
on the podcast. So I'd like to get two different perspectives. Stephen, we'll start with you. Like, what are you working on in spring training? And let's say you're watching other hitters at the plate and you see some things where you're like, okay, this could translate or some things that, you know, a guy hits the ball well or something that fans maybe are overreacting to a little bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, so on the hitting side for us, at least we're focusing a lot on like bat speed, exit velo. Um, I think our last years we were so focused on being like a bat to ball team that like that became too much of our identity where it was like, okay, if we put a ball in play, like we succeeded. But like at the end of the day, I think we were, I think we were last in home runs, um, last in all these like big slug things. So it's like, yeah, it's great if you go work count and then like not strike out. But like if you're getting out, then like, what's the point? So I think for at least us, we're working on, you know, bat speed, exit velo. If you swing and miss, that's fine. Strikeouts are okay. I think that's where it's like, we have a plan. If you see a bunch of guys strike out, like that's part of the plan. It's not this like, oh my God, like this guy didn't do a thing in the off season. It's like, we're trying to work towards something. We got guys buying into a system and we'll, we'll see how it looks. I mean, it's also like super small sample size. Um, we'll see what it looks like, you know, March, 20th and then maybe you can take some things away but i mean like i feel like this first 20 20 days like you can't you can't take anything from it people are just getting their feet wet again that's fascinating because that's a pretty sizable difference from what we kind of know from cleveland baseball right you guys are the kings of putting the bat on ball and seeing where the ball goes right you may be a little bit lower in the slug type of statistics but you're often high in batting average and on base so i guess walk me through from maybe the beginning of camp or maybe this was told to you guys in November, kind of walk me through your perspective of that change. Yeah. I think it's more focused on like being a balanced hitter. It's not, you're not selling out all three pitches, you know, but it's like, if you're in a leverage account, Oh, oh like go ahead and take a shot. Um, our hitting coach talks about like, you want to, you want to be Owen one, not Oh, for one. Whereas what he means by that is like you swing first pitch. Like if you make contact and you're out, like, great. Like you're over one where it's like, you know, get a little reckless with the swing. You know, if you foul it off or you miss entirely, you know, you get two more pitches to work with or two more strikes to work with. Um, I think it's just buying into that again. Our identity has been so rooted in that bat to ball. I think it's now we're trying to get away from it. And like guys who are coming up through the system, they see that's the ticket to the big leagues and they, they forget some of their power and like they're, they're able, their ability to slug. Um, I think it's just kind of recalibrating and getting us back to be, you know, power, powerful hitters. If it's in the tank. And Tanner, same question for you on the pitching side. I think it's interesting seeing what pitchers can really do at the very beginning, especially starters, just because in the regular season, the starters goal is to go six, seven, eight, nine innings. And now they come out in their first outing and they know they're going one or two innings. So they're kind of like emptying the tank. Yeah. So I think it's honestly the same kind of thing as what Steve said. It's like, you kind of got to wait till the end of spring training when they're really starting to go like, four or five innings in spring training, six even, and see what their stuff looks like then. Cause that's what really matters. Like if you, uh, if you go through your first inning, like, like what Cole Reagan's did the other day was unbelievable. Like 101, like with some serious ride, like it's crazy, but it's interesting to see like, if like at the end of spring training, if he's doing the same thing or if it kind of goes down a little bit, cause the workload starts going up. So I think as a fan, I think he's got, not overreact, kind of give it a couple weeks and see what the, the result is there. I mean, I don't know how much you, you scroll on Twitter right now, but fans are so desperate for takeaways. They're they're looking at anything they can find on StatCast to uh, 
to get pumped up about numbers. But beyond just the, you know, the stat cast side of things, like what are you focusing on individually? I mean, coming off of such an unbelievable rookie season, doing so many things so well, like what, what can you look at to build on that? Maybe a lot of it's just repeating it and doing it again, but has there been anything in particular, Tanner, that you've been focusing on going into, you know, this spring training and then going into your, your second season now? Uh, I think particularly just kind of working on delivery. I think um, when my delivery is kind of sound and repeatable, um, I think is when I'm at my best. I think I can, I'm able to throw more strikes. My stuff's better. So I think when I'm able to kind of get my legs the right way, have my torso at a, the angle that I kind of want it and the ball kind of comes out of my hand the right way, whether it's fastball, slider, change of curveball. Um, I think that's when I'm in the best place. So that's what I'm trying to get back into right now is be as repeatable as possible. And Steven, on the other side too, right? Um, you had your great rookie year, then you had your second year, right? Where pitchers maybe made adjustments and that was a big year, right? For just making adjustments. Now moving into year three, what are you working on right now in the spring? Yeah, kind of the same thing. I'm, I'm, we're buying into that idea of leveraging those counts. I think something I do well is get into good counts, uh, not a lot of chase. So when I get to that 2-0 uh, or even just 1-0, like really trying to empty the tank and not not settle for a single. Um, trying to see what that looks like. I think it's it's looking good to where if I get a little reckless, I can still go to two strikes and then you know do what I've always done. So it's just finding that balance. Um, but also just being okay striking out too. Like you're I mean, that's, there's a sacrifice there that comes with it. Um, I think learning to be okay with swing and miss is, is going to be a big psychological hurdle. And then just finding out how to sequence my body in the best way to to swing that bat hard and, and get some exit below. Well, you mentioned being okay with, with swing and miss. I, you have a bit of a buffer to work with, uh, especially when you'll get like swing and miss in the zone and, and like even looking at your rookie and then, and then second season there, like, you're right around 94, 95% in zone contact right there. Like that's something that obviously is, is an utmost strength of yours uh, at the offensive side of things. So how do you balance the idea of, okay, Hey, I, I want to start to, you know, hedge maybe some things that I'm not as proficient in, but not, you know, also impact the strength as well. You talk about maybe leveraging counts. Is it, really just trying to let it eat a little bit more in those specific counts and getting back to who you've always been when you get deeper into counts or, you know, what, what is the the way that you tow that line, I guess, because you are so good bat to ball wise, like not losing some of your biggest strength as well. Yeah. I think the game will tell a lot. I think if, you know, if it's seventh inning, you know, Bybee's throwing a two hit shutout, we're up by six, you know, like, say I get into like a two, two count, like obviously before I'm trying to get a ball and play and, you know, keep getting alive, but maybe there I just say, you know, like, screw it. Let me just try to swing one and let me, let's see how it goes. Like I think the game will definitely tell a lot. And then, and like you said, like one Oh, two Oh, 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 like just in general, like those are the ones we really got to let it loose and, and be intentful, but just understanding those situations and not, not being maybe one dimensional isn't the right way, but like having that same approach uh, all at bats, just, that's not, that's not realistic. And what would be the one thing for the both of you that, right, Tanner, you have your first full season. Steven, you got two under your belt. What would you say is the one thing that you've changed the most since last spring training? Tanner, we'll start with you. Uh, I would feel like it's more mental rather than physical. Uh, I think physically I'm not really trying to, like, reinvent the wheel or trying to, like, change my entire repertoire. But I think mentally it's just kind of a different thing. I mean – I think the first couple starts of like last year, you're just trying to, just trying to pitch well, trying to like almost like survive, like especially that early in the year, 
Um, and I think now having like almost a full year under my belt, I think going into next year is a very, it's a very different feel. I mean, it really turns into just people want to pitch well, but now it's turning into like, okay, like you're a solidified thing into like, let's win. Like I'm going to try to go deep in the game. So we don't have to like hurt the pan a lot. Um, and I just be a good teammate, really. I mean, those are the three goals I feel like every day that everyone should have. So I feel like me going to my second year, those are kind of my three goals. Steven, what about you? Yeah, so I think it's 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 pretty cool seeing Bybee going through kind of like what I was going through, like great first year going into second year. I already know he's handling better than I did, but where I think I messed up last spring training was I was so wide-eyed with everything and like just over the moon about how my first year went. Um, I had to adjust to becoming, you know, a, a major leaguer. Um, you go home and, you know, people are talking to you different. Like it's all these different things. Um, and that kind of got away from me. My, usually I start my off seasons at like a certain time. And for me, it was like, okay, I just played 145 games plus postseason. Like I'm going to take a break. And then that break leaks out until December. And then next thing you know, it's like, okay, now I got to ramp up. It's spring training time. Um, this off season, after having two years under my belt, it was cool. Like I wasn't so wide eyed. I wasn't so green with everything. It was, you know, we didn't, as a team didn't have the year that we wanted. And then me, myself, I didn't have the year that I was really happy with. So it was, it was like almost getting that hunger again, where it was like, okay, like I'll take two weeks off and it's go time. And, and I think into this spring, it's already paid dividends. Like my body feels way better. Mentally, I feel way better. Got way more live babies um, than I did before coming to camp last year. I think just being more prepared this year is, is going to pay dividends in, in total. So, you know, people talk about, uh, and it's funny, like Jose Ramirez was talking about his sophomore slump, which like, or sorry, Julio Rodriguez was talking about his, his sophomore slump, which like really bothered me. Cause I'm looking at a season. I'm like, screw you, man. Like your sophomore uh-huh. slump was disgusting, but, but even for you, man, like you had a three win season last year. Like that's your year. You're not happy with, but it kind of got me thinking as to like, I mean, there's a reason why we have a term for it. Like it clearly happens more often than than not, at least with a lot of players where just the second year isn't quite, you know, what you wanted it to be or wasn't quite what your your first year was, even if, you know, the standards are a little bit different from superstar to like very solid season or really solid season to just pretty good season. What do you think it is? Like you mentioned your the, the one way that it affected you, but do you think that's the biggest thing that really results in a lot of these quote unquote sophomore slumps or is it a little bit of, you know, pitchers adjusting to you? Is it, you know, the wear and tear of your first time really playing 150, 160 games for the most part? Cause it is that way for a lot of guys for the first time. Like, what do you think bakes into the sophomore slump? And then I'm interested to hear like how Tanner, you know, just kind of soaking all that in plans to, you know, shake that off and, and not have it be applicable to him. Yeah, it was actually interesting. I was talking to, uh, I met with Brian Kane yesterday um, and he worked with Bybee and, and we were talking about motivation. And I think that's the big key that changes from that first to your second year. Um, so at least for me, like coming out of college, like I got drafted, but I didn't really think I had a shot at becoming a big leaguer. Like, you know, it was just one thing. It's like, okay, like I might as well give this the old college try and see it all the way through. And so every day you have the anxiety. It's like, I'm working, I'm getting drafted, but like, I might not make it. Like I have to, I can't afford to take a day off you know, I have to be the best I can be. You make it to the big leagues and not only do you make it, you succeed there. That, that chip on your shoulder goes away immediately. And I think people can be like, Oh, well, like I still want to be the best. It's like, at the end of the day, you don't have that anxiety anymore. Like there's those days that'll keep you up where it's like, I've played baseball my whole life. And if I don't make it, then like, what's next, like having that be achieved. And then it's gone. It's like, now you have to find you at least you have to find new motivation or now you're just coasting. And I think that was a dangerous thing for me was after my first year, I had to talk with our hitting coaches 
and they said, you know, do what you did like the year before and you're going to have a great major league baseball career. So I go into it. I'm like, okay, like, let me just do what I did before. Let me be consistent. Let me coast. And it's like, you don't have to drive anymore. Yeah. It's, you have to find new motivation, new drive. And then I think that's what keeps you hungry and keeps getting you better. Tanner. Yeah. Honestly, I think he hit it right on the head. I think the, I think every like baseball player growing up, like going through little league, high school, college, the goal is always to get to the major leagues. Like you're never like, Oh, I want to play in the playoffs. Like I want to be a four war guy, but like you don't realize all the perks that comes with that. And like the whole major league lifestyle. So when you really do get there, everyone kind of, like you said, they kind of coast and they kind of, that's what I think that it seems like. Um, and they kind of, they're like almost like happy to be there. And once you do have a good year and you go to the second year, I think the, the fact that you're like, you get the, the anxiety off and like, okay, I, I belong here. I don't necessarily need to do the same stuff I was doing because I know I belong where before you didn't know you belong, belonged. Um, so I think just, tr- you gotta, I feel like for me, I'm just going to try to get lost in the process throughout the week. I think when I really started turning it on last year is when I really just started focusing on the process and not necessarily just trying to pitch every, like so worried about the team I was facing every fifth day. It was more like I'd wake up and be like, okay, I gotta, gotta throw a bullpen and I gotta throw 90 feet, gotta do this for recovery. And then like when it happened to be that day I was throwing, that's when it was like, okay, let's compete. Like I did all the stuff that I wanted. Um, and the anxiety wasn't necessarily there. So I think that's what I would say about, about that. Speaking about changes um, on the topic, the guardians made a change of manager right? Terry Francona um, to Stephen Vogt. And I'm curious because, um, you know, Tanner, I don't think you were working with Francona early on in the season, right? Because you started in the minor leagues and then made the debut. But Stephen, you've done a full spring training with Francona. Now you're doing one with Stephen Vogt. What have been some of those changes from manager to manager and how excited are you to have Stephen Vogt now as the new manager of the Guardians? Yeah, I think the one that jumps out is uh, you actually see Vote walking around and just being with one of the boys. Uh, Tito was definitely a slow walker um, and was very strategic with uh, when he would come out. So I think it's cool just, you know, seeing him be with the boys and chopping it up. Um, but it's, it's a really cool, loose feel right now. Um, still small sample size. And it's only been a couple of weeks that we've been out here. But I mean, the other day we did sliding practice on the dirt, which is like, which is very new for us. Um, usually we would just do it on like little slide pads, but Vogue wanted us out on the dirt, you know, getting our pants dirty, ripping some poles. And then after that, he brought the team together to the agility field. And he was like, hey, like you guys did a great job. We got a slip inside for you guys, you know, let loose. And then we had a bunch of coaches just like, you know, stripped down and got the the hose ready and all the soap. And it was it was a really cool thing. It was like kind of in camp vibes. Um, so it's new. It's definitely a little modern feel. It's fun. Uh, he knows how to get the boys rolling. Um, so it's it's exciting. It's an exciting feel right now. And Tanner, I'm sure you can tell the difference, right? Because, you know, Tito was your manager for the entire season and now you have a new one. What have those changes been like for you? I just think like the energy around camp is a little, little different, like with the coaching staff and the players, I think it's definitely a new approach and it's definitely, I don't want to say like a breath of fresh air, but it's just kind of exciting. Like the new, new people, like new things are just kind of exciting, like inherently. So I think, um, with vote in the building, I mean, even like our team meetings, they're just like, they seem a lot more fun. They seem really lighthearted. 
Um, and it just seems like it's going to be a, a good season. Regardless, I think it's going to – all the lightheartedness kind of really brings the boys together, I feel like. So I feel like um, I feel like it should be a good year. It seems like that's just a, an excellent fit for such a young team as well, where you have a lot of young players that you know are also trying to crack the roster, but whether they do or don't, they – will likely be up there one way or another, you know, you have, and, and I was excited to ask you guys about just what it's been like to see all the young talent around too, because you know, you, the young talent that you got on the big league team, but also you got guys like Kyle Manzardo who've, you know, really impressed up uh, that the home run that chased a lot hit the other day was an absolute missile. Um, you, you got Davis and De Los Santos who they selected in the rule five draft who can really run into baseball. It's like, what has it been like just kind of watching some of these young players and it has, have any of the young guys in particular uh, stood out to you? I, I'll, I'll let Tanner go first this time because I know he's kind of been <laughs> coming in second. So I don't want to have his name. You know, maybe you guys have the same choice here. Uh, but Tanner, is there been anyone in particular that has stood out to you out of these young guys um, that, you know, you're like, whoa, you know, it's a little bit better than I thought up close and personal. I mean, my answer is probably a little bit different than Steve's just because pitcher side, but I mean, he's got a lot of, a lot of arms and obviously the delauder has been a big prospect ever since he got drafted. But, um, I think, I mean, I've played with Joey Cantillo throughout mm -hmm. most of my minor league career. And I mean, when he's dialed in, like it's kind of some unbelievable stuff. Yeah. And I think that he, people are, are kind of sleeping on him a little bit just because he got hurt, uh, was it last year, two years ago, kind of came back and then started kind of pumping again once kind of got going a little bit. So I think if he can dial some stuff in, I think he could be legit. Steven, on your side, you have a lot to choose from, right? Brian Rocchio might be the starter at shortstop. You got Kyle Manzardo at first base. That's the luxury of being a Cleveland Guardian is that you have this depth of a farm system. So who's really shot out to you? Um, First off, I want to actually, I love that Joey that Joey uh, shout out. Um, I think he's actually looked really good too. I had some live ABs against him. And I mean, it's 94, 95 on the corners and like the corner of corners, like yeah, I could sit on the pitch there. And if I actually got it, I don't even think I'd swing at it. it he's looked really good. So that's a, that's a cool shout out from Bybee. Um, yeah, I guess I'll go the boring way. I, I haven't seen them play a lot enough to really like make some outrageous takes, but I mean, Manzardo's BP is pretty crazy. It's all over the place, like homers to all sides of the field. Um, kind of like an old school stance. Got the little mustache. Like, I think I just love his vibe too. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot of people. I mean, I think people also forget, like, yeah, Bo is, he played last year, but I mean, he's, I think he just turned like 23, 24. Like, he's still going to be a big piece in all of this. I think he's due for a really good breakout year. Um, we got a lot of guys for sure. Well, Cantillo is a guy we actually had on, on our prospect podcast, the call up and just hearing him talk about his pitch development, just the thing, the way he approaches the game was, was really impressive too. I was like, all right, makes sense why the guardians love this guy. He, he fits like a glove, like, and, and some of the things that he's been working on, but the change up and, and slider were both disgusting for him last year. So excited to see what he does, but I, that kind of led me into a thought of you, you talked about live ABs. I don't know if you guys have had live ABs against each other, but Tanner, if you were to have a live AB against Quan, what would, how would you attack him? How would you go about it? And then I want to hear what Quan would be doing the other way around. Cause the, people don't know, like if you're in the backfield, it's like 
you never know what kind of matchup you might see. Uh, and, and it'll get competitive with guys back there on the backfields, which is a lot of fun. So, Tanner, how would you go at Quan if uh, if you got the opportunity to do live ABs, if you guys haven't already? Uh, I think I'd just drill him. <laughs> I'll take it. I want to face him. I'm good with that. <laughs> we haven't faced each other yet. But honestly, I mean, there's so much just bat to ball, I think. I don't want to say what I'm – how I'd approach him because then people could get stuff off of that. So I'll just say, I'll just drill him. I'll just drill him. I'd love, let, me, let me take, let me take the hypothesis of what it'd be. I, I would think that you would try to just get ahead early with some stuff. If, if I get out early, you're happy with that. If not, it's probably like single at worst, a double in the gap. Um, but you could probably live with that. Cause I think the worst nightmare for a pitcher from what I've heard from like Tristan and like in Shane, it's like you don't want to go eight pitch at bat and then maybe walk them kind of thing. I think it's like, and I think that plays into like my scouting report of like how I'm going to attack other pitchers. But um, tell me if I'm if I'm if I'm in the ballpark with that, Bobby. No, you're pretty in the ballpark. I think. I mean, hey, you almost went oppo Jimmy today, so I don't know if that's a good scouting report. I would have. I'm telling you, I would have ran to the locker room after that. I wouldn't even run the bases. I've hit one. Oppo home run in my life, and it was with those juice baseballs in AAA. It was you couldn't tell me anything for like a week. That was the sickest, <laughs> sickest week of baseball ever. Who'd you go Oppo off of? Uh, I was some guy in the Twins org. Um, I don't even remember his name. Um, I don't know. Guy was probably throwing ninety five with a banger. Everybody throws ninety five now. It's incredible. It was uh, Jason oh, no, Garcia. Jason Garcia. Jason Garcia. Does that sound right? I don't know. <laughs> On a curveball? Curveball yeah. down? Yeah, it was a curveball. It was a yeah. curveball. Yeah, yeah. That's wow. Awesome. 398. Good. Oppo. Good. What? Yeah, it went 398. But I, <laughs> where, I think you were in a good environment here. Where was this? We were in Columbus. We were at oh, home. No, it's not that good. The ball doesn't fly that much there, right? And I didn't think so. I mean, short right field. I had a couple to right, but I hit this ball and I was like, oh, it's probably a fly out because every fly ball the opposite way is usually an out. Um, that was <laughs> that was pleasantly surprising. But Bobby, trust me, I was just as shocked as you are right there when it went out. Ooh, 398 oppo? Bro, left center. Yeah. It's, I, that's, that's called blowing your load early on. <laughs> I, I have a I have a question kind of um, that doesn't have anything to do with with this conversation, but it, it sparked a thought in my head. You guys are both California guys, right? You both played college baseball on the West Coast. I've been to Progressive when it's cold, right? In April and even sometimes in October. When you guys first get there and it's the first part of the season, like does the weather just piss you off or you kind of just don't care about it? I'm, I'm irate. I'm mad all the time. I hate it, but... My only solace is that the other team is probably just as mad, if not madder. Um, I, I played college in Oregon and it's always rainy and cold. So like I kind of had some prep there, but no, it's you're facing. Oh God, who was it last year? It was, you're facing Yohan Duran throwing 103 and then you cap one in 30 degree weather. It, it just makes you question every decision you've made up to that point. Tanner, it's probably not as bad for you because you don't have to face Duran throwing 100 mile an hour splinkers. Oh, the hell they no. Do. No, I just try to I try to tough guy through it. Like I'm I try to be out there like before anyone else. So they and like with like no jacket on, whatever. I'm still gonna wear sleeves because I'm not a psychopath. But like I, I try to like mental game it to like to make him think that I'm not affected. 
but goddamn, it's it's cold. <laughs> are, are there like some some methods to to getting through that? I growing up in South Florida, I don't think I played a big game of baseball under fifty degrees. Like, it, are there any like little tricks to the trade that that some guys may give you? I'd imagine all the Latin players hate it too, being like it's it's all warm where they played as well. So you probably only have a couple guys that can really give you some some legitimate uh, advice on that. Are there any like tricks of the trade for it? I will say, I think the shiesty goes a long way. Um, that'll usually keep the whole body warm. Um, sometimes it's like too warm though. Cause you get like, you get actually really sweaty in there and then it's like disproportional cause your hands are frozen, but then like your body and your head are like sweating. Um, I think bone broth goes a long way as well. Bone broth. Better, mm-hmm. have, you ever, have, yeah. you ever, have you ever considered wearing the shiesty when you're pitching? That'd be crazy. I'm telling you that'd be crazy. That'd be sick. I don't know if that's allowed. I don't no. think I have the balls to do that though. I, <laughs> I do not have the balls to do that. That would be who crazy. On staff, who on the pitching staff would be most likely to rock the shiesty uh, on a start? Tristan. Tristan or Zay. Tristan or yeah, Curry. Not even close. <laughs> Tristan was wearing that stuff inside, and it was like 68 degrees, and we were at guard set. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's true. Can't verify. <laughs> Steven, you, you mentioned facing Duran is pure hell. Is he the hardest pitcher you've ever faced? Oh, no. Oh, no. No, no, he's he's right-handed. Now we get into the whole lefty arsenal. That's not very fun. I I love telling this story because um, it's very humbling. But it was my first year. It was actually our first series uh, at Progressive. We're playing the Giants and Carlos Rodon's pitching. Um, I think up to that point, I had only struck out once in like eleven games. So first AB, he goes fastball away strike. Uh, I think a I think a curveball and then like fastball in my eyes strike three. So second at bat it's like 99 with just silly ride so second at bat i'm like okay like if i see a fastball up like i'm just gonna try and get on top of it fight it i see a ball coming from my head i'm like oh my god this ball's gonna smoke me so i duck and i lean into it i like i I try to get out of the way and the last second it's a curveball and it goes right into my head and he's like he like runs out and he apologizes and he's like oh my god i'm so sorry and like i'm like dude i'm so happy i don't have to face you but i i went on the k zone and the ball only like it was only a one ball in like I completely leaned into it thinking it was a fastball and smoked me. So I've never been so domed up in an AB before in my life. That was, he was, he was something. Tanner after year one, who's been the guy that's just tough for you. I mean, if we're talking about results, it's Jake Berger. Mm. Dude saw two pitches off me and hit two homers. (laughs) One was like six feet off the ground oppo and got out. And the other one was just a hung slider that I don't even know if Steven even ran after, but <laughs> I think he went two for two with two homers and a walk in the one game I threw against them. Yeah. Good player. Good yeah. player. Good hitter. Yeah. One nine, one Oh nine off a slider. Top of the. Oh zone. yeah. I just choose. <laughs> yeah. Orm's got the data. He can. Yeah. I got up. it right. I got it right <laughs> away. I will, I will say that the other one I think was just, you just missed your spot. It looks like it was a little middle, middle fastball. Like it happens. I mean, he hit it and I was like, I was like, oh, okay, that could be that could be a line drive out, like that works a double. And then Will Brennan runs up to the fence and like he jumps up to like rob it and it goes over. And I was like on the mound, like, what in the hell? How did that get out? Well, to that point, what is it like, you know, how much comfort does it give you knowing that, you know, you have one of the best defenses behind you, Steven being a big part of that, like just knowing that, hey, like I can attack these hitters. You mentioned like and I think that was a really important point that, that Quan brought up, brought up there was like, 
the idea that when a guy like him is up, you do not want to let him grind out the ABs because there's nothing more demoralizing than throwing 10 pitches and then giving up first base, whether it's a single or, or a walk. Like, does that make you more confident knowing that you've got guys like like Steven and, and other players that are just really good defensively behind you to, to go attack guys a little bit more early in counts? Obviously, if they hit home runs, they hit home runs, but just being able to be a little bit more aggressive. I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I think the best thing for that for me is when I'm throwing lives and stuff. Like I've thrown like a ton of live BPs this spring so far. And whenever some guy hits like maybe something like kind of shallow or like maybe like a little deep in the outfield, I'm just like, oh, Juan's got that. Oh, Miles has that. Oh, like Henny would get there pretty quick at second base. <laughs> Guy's a platinum glove. Oh, Will Brennan would get that right. Like there's like no like the fact that every single guy in every position is just like, oh yeah, he'd get that. It's like a really comfortable feeling for me, for sure. Just because that makes it that much easier to attack the zone, attack the hitter. Because you know, if they do get a hit and they it's hit hard, like mm, it's your fault. Yeah. And and Steven, a building off that question, defense is very important, right? To the guardians. Like obviously it's important for other teams, but you guys consistently field one of the best defensive units in major league baseball. Like how much importance is put on that in spring and then throughout the season? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Tito brought it up all the time when he was here and then even Vogue is, is piggybacking off of it, but you know, it's clear that we don't sign like all these big free agent guys. We're not going to go out and make these blockbuster trades. It's we're going to have to play the game the right way. We're not gonna be able to just roll the bats and balls out and, you know, see what happens. You know, we work on base running, we work on defense, we work on our relays. Like we, I think last year we had 31 one run games that we lost. Um, and it's just like, those are obviously the ones where it's like defense can win some of those games. Base running can win some of those games. So if it wasn't stressed before, it's it's stress even more now. Um, we take huge pride in it. And, you know, we we love the close games. I feel like it makes baseball more interesting too when it's not just, you know, three outcome kind of game. Um, and plus that's, that's just, I feel like Cleveland just focuses on that in general, um, all through the minors. I have another question for you, Stephen, based on the left on left, right? Because we asked about Duran. You were like, no, it's more the left on left guys. You have two incredible lefties in your division, right? You got Tarek Skubal on the Tigers, and now you got Cole Reagans now on the Royals. So I'm curious from your vantage point, facing both of those guys, a lot of hard stuff coming at you. But I'm just curious the difference between those two guys when you go up to the plate. I can disappoint you here, but I have... I've sat twice against Scooble that just happened to coincide with the Scooble start. Thank goodness. And then I faced Cole Reagan's pre KC. I faced him in Texas when, um, the human version. Yes. Yes. I mean, I want to say, I don't know if we ran him out early, but I think we got a couple good ABs on him. I almost, you want to say he came in as like long relief. Um, so I want to say we saw him pretty good. Um, and he was still like 93, 95, like tough AB, but I think we ended up getting him there. I'm sure you'll, you'll bring up the stats and see how we did on that. I maybe I mean, I don't think we got, we got shut out on that one, but <laughs> I want to say we got him a little bit. Um, but I have not seen him KC. So that'll, this will be something interesting to, uh, to pick up this year. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's like a different person at that point. Now, that, my, my last question for, for you guys is, uh, 
kind of two prongs, but one, like, what do you think is different about this Guardians team? He talked about, you know, just kind of like the, the, the new leadership, the new energy, some of the new approaches. But like, what do you think can make this team better than last year's? And then I'll follow up with like a you know personal goals question. But just leading with that, you know, what can make this Guardians team more successful than last year's ball cup? You mentioned the one run games. I think that's obvious, an obvious one there. But, you know, just over 162, what can be a tangible difference with this group? Uh, I would say, at least on the pitching side, I think health. I mean, I think we had the most innings pitched by rookies like ever. I think last year was a stat I think I saw. So it's like, I think the fact that, that Shane and Tristan are going to be back fully healthy. Um, I think that would just help the, help the pen a lot more. Um, being able to go um, like six, seven innings in a game rather than be like, more bullpen games. So it's like four, the stars were on like four or five. Um, I think like those innings really rack up on a bullpen throughout the entire 162 game season. So I think their health and their kind of like veteran leadership, I think is going to be big time for us. Steven. Yeah. I think more psychologically, it's going to just be different from last year just because of how we performed last year as compared to our first year. And what I mean by that is, my first year, at least, I think we were fin- We were predicted to finish last in the Central. Um, nobody thought anything was going to happen. And then we just rallied together and made a really good run, uh, made the playoffs, all that. Everybody had really good individual years. And with AL Central being what it was, um, I think it was we were clear favorites to win last year. And I think that put a lot of pressure on us as a young squad. I don't think we knew how to deal with that a lot. Um, we were the team to be, we had the target on our back. And I think we got a lot of the AL Central's best. Um, they knew we were the team to beat. Um, again, we thought we could just kind of go out and build off of last year's success or two years ago um, and just just do what we did. And it's clear baseball is a tough, tough sport. You can't just do that. You have to be prepared. You have to be locked in at all times. Um, this year kind of gives me that same feel where it's like, you know, we, we still have some really good players. And I think I've, I've seen some of the predictions. I think we're like middle pack, but I think people just kind of forgetting about us. Um, we have a lot of guys that came into camp ready to go. Our pitchers look unreal. Our hitters look strong. Um, I just feel like having that last year kind of humble and recenter everybody, I think that's going to put us in a really good spot this year. Then the personal goals as well that are mentioned, you know, what are you guys looking for individually um, you kind of talked about it, what you're building on in spring, but some personal goals that you guys have for this upcoming season. Uh, Tan, we'll start with you. Um, I think it's just win as many games as possible and make every single start. I think if you try to go any any deeper than that, I think you're putting way too much pressure on yourself, at least on the pitcher side. Um, I think it's one thing that, that Cleveland Lake puts emphasis on is innings pitched and I think that's one thing I really want to do. It's a very valuable thing. It's kind of a kind of a lost art, I think, making every single start. So I think that's a that's a big goal. Man. I was I was hoping you'd say to have like a three one X FIP or something like that. <laughs> we'll, we'll take that. X O P What about you, Steven? No, Bobby hit it right on the head. Um, yeah, I think you're setting yourself up for failure if you're trying to do you know X home runs, X RBIs, X runs. Um, mine's been much the same as his. Um, I've had hamstring problems in the past and thankfully these last two years I've gotten through most of the season. I think same thing. I want to try to be there available for 162. Um, 
I hesitate to say play 162 because that is an unbelievable grind. Like what Marcus Simeon did is unheard of. Um, it's it's definitely a source of pride to play all of them, but I definitely don't mind those off days, especially when we're facing Scooble. Uh, but just to be available for all those days, stay up with the routines, stay uh, control what I can control with all that nutrition, all that kind of stuff. And at the end of the year, if I can look back and say I was available for all those games, I'll, I'll consider that very successful. And my last question for you guys, um, I love that you mentioned Steven at the beginning and, and Tanner, you, you uttered the same, the chip on your shoulder when you first get into the league, right? You guys were predicted last in 2022 and then you go on and win the division. Then you predicted as the favorites and you fall a little bit short. Is there a rallying cry in the locker room right now? Or do you feel that same chip on your shoulder to say last year was a down year? This is still our central. Steven? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's a pride thing. I mean, obviously every baseball team is a major league baseball team, but I mean, like when you're losing games against sub 500 teams that you shouldn't be losing to, like it's embarrassing, especially when you're doing it at home and they're not particularly close games. I think I think everybody's internalized that embarrassment and and I think we're trying to find out, you know, how do we change? How do we do something different? And like I said, I think everybody's really motivated. Um Everybody was here at camp. I mean, way before they're even supposed to. I think that already just speaks volumes of where we're at mentally. Um, it should be a good one. Tanner, you feel the same way? Yeah, I think there's a little bit of, a, of like an anger to it. I want to say. Um, I think I think a lot of people are not happy of how the year went last year, whether it was team or individually. Um, and I think that a lot of people want to definitely want to change that. And I think it's definitely show like showing in their, in everyone's day-to-day uh, process throughout the spring training so far. I mean, you had Jose Ramirez who was there like two weeks earlier than he had to. And the dude's been a superstar since he's debuted. Like, I think that's just, it shows a good amount of leadership and it shows that if he's doing it, everyone should be doing it. I love that. That, that sets Jesus a hell of a tone. Yeah. 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 I don't know how any Guardians fan listening cannot be insanely excited about this season. And then on top of it, fans listening in the Central are probably like, oh, shit, we made them angry. Oh, (laughs) no. And then fans of all other teams are like, now we got to watch out for the Guardians. Guys, this was a fantastic conversation. Really, really happy to have both of you on. And Tanner, I know you're repping your Just Baseball merch. Steven, we got to send you. Some too. I'll bring some right. out. I'll be out in Arizona. We'll, we'll bring them out. I, I think I should be able to make it to Tanner's first spring start. So we'll, we'll get you some stuff uh, as well. Thank you so much for hopping on, Stephen. And, and of course, Tanner, thanks for making this happen. Always great to have you on. Of course. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks. yeah look, looking forward to the swag. Thanks, guys. I appreciate the time. <laughs>